We turn again this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 9. We read and looked at the first half of this chapter last week. Saul and his servant were out looking for his father's asses. They couldn't find them and then the servant has suggested they go and see the man of God in Ramah. Then said Saul to his servant in verse 10, Well said, come, let us go. So they went into the city where the man of God was. And as they went up the hill to the city, they found young maidens going out to draw water and said unto them, Is the seer here? And they answered them and said, He is. Behold, he is before you. Make haste now. For he came today to the city. For there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. As soon as ye become into the city, ye shall straightway find him, before he go up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he come, because he doth bless the sacrifice, and afterwards they eat that be bidden. Now therefore get you up, for about this time ye shall find him. And they went up into the city, and when they were come into the city, behold, Samuel came out against them for to go up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake of to thee. This same shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul, and said, I am the seer. Go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? and on all thy father's house. And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite, of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the parlour, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden which were about thirty persons. And Samuel said unto the cook, Bring the portion which I gave thee, of which I said unto thee, Set it by thee. And the cook took up the shoulder that was, and that which was upon it, and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, Behold that which is left, set it before thee, and eat. For this, for unto this hath it been kept for thee, since I said, I have invited the people. So Saul did eat with Samuel that day. 
And when they were come down from the high place into the city, Samuel communed with Saul upon the top of the house. And they arose early, and it came to pass about the spring of the day that Samuel called Saul to the top of the house, saying, Up, that I may send thee away. And Saul arose, and they went out, both of them, he and Samuel. And as they were going down to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid the servant pass on before us. And he passed on. But stand thou still a while, that I may show thee the word of God. Yes, we've been looking the last few weeks at Samuel, uh, his times and the things that have happened to Samuel at, uh, <clears throat> in, Samuel, in First Samuel. And we've been looking at chapter 9 uh, last week. We looked at the different ministry of a seer and a prophet. You know, they used to, it says in one of the verses there, when before time, in verse 9, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come, let us go to the seer. For he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. And we saw that a seer saw things, and a prophet foretold things. And unless we have seen Jesus in all his glory, unless we have had an experience of seeing Jesus, that he is our Saviour and our Lord, then we have nothing to foretell if we, don't, if we haven't seen him. Jesus said in John 3.11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. 1 John 1 verse 3, that's Paul says, uh, John says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare unto you. So we must be seers and we must be prophets who foretell. Prophets in, in the Old Testament did more, they told forth rather than foretelling things. And our job is to tell forth the gospel. And if we have met with Jesus and seen Jesus, then we should tell forth what we have seen. And that was uh, basically, uh, it's all about Paul, uh, Saul losing his asses, or his father losing all this bunch of donkeys. <clears throat> and they went out to, to look for them, and they, they aimlessly went around. They didn't seem to have any plan of action. They strolled from one place to another looking for these donkeys, and they didn't find them. And then eventually, just to recap on last week again, the servant said to Saul, you know, there's a man of God in, in this city that we're near. So, Saul didn't seem to have any knowledge of, of Samuel. And they, they went along, and then they said, well, what are we going to give him? We haven't any. They thought that they had to pay the man of God for, for, for meeting with them. Fortunately, that's the way people look at salvation. They feel that they have to do something. They have to pay for something in order to get right with God. We don't do anything. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. So in any case, they went up and the story just started with uh, Brenda's reading. They came and they went into the city. 
verse 10. So they went in unto the city where the man of God was. At least they were making an effort to meet with the man of God. They were going in the right direction. Maybe their motives weren't right. They were thinking of material things. Where are all these donkeys? But you know, God had a lot more in store for Saul that day. Jeremiah 29, 13 And ye shall find me, God says, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. People who look and search for God will find him. They entered, and as they went into the city, you know, they met all these young ladies coming down to the well, going down, obviously, to the bottom, where the water was. It's interesting, actually, if you look at scriptures, the number of interesting things that happened when men met young ladies at wells. Abraham's servant was sent off to get a, a bride for Isaac and he arrived at a well and they came, the, the, the girls came out to get water and he did a little test uh, as to what the, the, the girls would say to him and if they said something you know I'll feed your camels as well he knew he was on the right track and of course he was able to get uh, a bride for his master's son that was a lovely story. Jacob also. Jacob had a row with Esau, his brother. And he went off to try and find his uncle Laban. And he arrived at a well. And the women came out and they, they couldn't roll this big stone away. They had to wait till they were all there to roll this big stone away. And Jacob helped them. And Rachel was who, the one who came out. And he fell in love with Rachel. Of course, we know that Laban was a cute old fellow and he made him work seven years for Rachel and then he married him off to Leah. And then he did another seven years to marry Rachel. But an interesting story. Moses was the same. You know, when Moses killed uh, the Egyptian, he, he, he fled and he went into the land of Midian. And he went there and he went to a well. The women came out and, and the, the, the shepherds who were there, they tried to drive the women away and Moses stood up for them. And of course, Zipporah was one of the women who came out and Moses eventually married Zipporah. So, there are interesting stories. It'd be a good study to go through. Of course, the main one was a woman who came out to a well and she met the Lord Jesus Christ and he gave her living water. Jesus gave her water that was not in the well. She went away singing. She came back bringing others for the water that was not in the well. Jesus still gives water that is not in the well. To those who come believing and his word receiving, he gives the heavenly water that is not in the well. So, here was Saul. And these, women, these ladies, these girls were going down to the well. And he heard an amazing thing as a result of meeting those girls. He realized he was going to get a kingdom. Incredible. Well, they asked the girls, where is the seer? Where does the seer live? And they were given directions and they said, if you look at it, 
They answered, Behold, he is before you, make haste now, for he came today to the city where there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place. Now that's strange, isn't it? Why was there a sacrifice in this town? And I want you to go back to, way back to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 12. And it's interesting, just looking at this, it, it struck me as I was reading this the other day. God had laid down certain rules in Deuteronomy chapter 12. And these are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land. When you come into the land, God said, this is what you shall do. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye do possess serve their gods. Upon the high mountains, and upon the hills, and upon every green tree. And ye shall observe, overthrow their altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves, and all that. And verse 5, But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither shalt thou come. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, and your sacrifices, and your tithes, and heave offerings of your hand, and your vows, and your freewill offerings, and the firstlings of your herds, and of your flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that ye do in your land, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And ye shall not offer, not do after all the things that ye do here this day. Every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. And then if you go verse uh, 13, take heed to thyself that thou do not Offer thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. But in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, and there shalt thou do all that I command thee. They were only to offer sacrifices in the place that God had chosen. And they built a tabernacle. And God came and dwelt in the tabernacle. And God said that is where you have to come to offer your sacrifices. And yet we have Samuel here going to offer a sacrifice in this high place in Ramah. Take heed to thyself that they do not offer thy burnt offerings in every place, but only in the place where I have set my name. And so it is strange that now we have Samuel, a Levite, making a priestly sacrifice at a high place. Shiloh was actually the place where the tabernacle was. The tabernacle was in Shiloh. And that was where God had stipulated at that particular time that sacrifices were to be made. But now you see what had happened. The tabernacle was deserted. The presence of God had departed from it. Ichabod, we looked at that a few weeks ago. The glory had departed from Israel. Why? The ark had been captured by the Philistines. And later it had been returned. And now it lay almost forgotten, it would appear, in a backwater. It was in the, the house of a man called Abinadab. And his son, Eliezer, was looking after it. But it was not sought by the majority of the people. 
They were quite happy for her to be away there. Didn't interfere with their everyday lives. So like some of us today, isn't it? We like to be considered Christians. People like to be think that they're thought of as Christians. Provided God is kept out of the way. And he doesn't interfere in their everyday lives. There was an interesting leader actually in the Daily Telegraph yesterday. At the bottom of the, the last little leader in the, on the leader column. And it was talking about Ian Paisley. Apparently Ian Paisley has decided to sort of step down a little bit. And yet so, let some younger men take over the, his political party. But there, there was an interesting comment. And it gave me the same thought as we're talking about here. The, the leader says, during the foot and mouth crisis, Paisley called for a day of prayer. Provoking the normally pious Tony Blair to smirk at the dispatch box. When Paisley suggested that we should have a day of prayer. It goes on to say this chap, such values offend the secular, secular consensus and are indeed ill-suited to the grey areas of contemporary politics. People don't want to be told to have a day of prayer. But he goes on to say, but in some circumstances they are the only proper attitude and the defence of freedom in the face of parliamentarianism is such a circumstance. He says, how sad that we cannot tolerate politicians who worry more about God than focus groups. Governments don't want to talk about God. Oh, they can say that they're Christian and all the rest of it, but when God begins to interfere in their lives, they don't want to hear anything about it. And it was a bit like that, I think, with the people of Israel here at the time. It was the, the Ark of the Covenant was in a backwater being looked after by one man. They didn't want to know about it. And presumably in Shiloh there were still priests. And they went through, through some kind of ritual. But you know, God wasn't there. God's presence wasn't in the tabernacle in Shiloh. There was no bringing in of the blood to be placed on the mercy seat because the Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. Wasn't there. And that was a very central foundation of the worship of God. And it was not being done. It's saying today we have lots of religion, we have lots of rituals. Many practices being performed in churches. But in a lot of cases God isn't there. It's sad. The teaching of the central theme of salvation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> access to God through him alone. There's, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. No, we are all going our own ways to God. God isn't there. And so the tabernacle was not functioning because of the sin of the people. And it appears then that God permitted 
those who wish to follow him to offer sacrifices in much the same way as Abraham did in his time. It seemed to go back to that time when God permitted people like Abraham and others to offer sacrifices to God. Abraham who was known as the friend of God. Similarly today, Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. The church is the body of Christ and and it's the Spirit's habitation. And it's a wonderful privilege to meet together as believers. It's a wonderful privilege. And it's needful. Very difficult for a Christian to stand and be bright on his own. We need to be in the fire with all the others. Or else if you get an an ember falls out of the fire, it soon dies down. We need fellowship. That's the type. We're a body. We're a body. A hand, if you cut it off, can't survive on its own. We're a body. We need the other members of the body around us. There may be occasions when we can't have fellowship. May be difficult. Perhaps it's because where you would go for fellowship, there may be gross error. We need to use our spiritual discernment. We just don't go to places because there's a big crowd of people going. You know, there's an interesting verse in Exodus 23, verse 2. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. It's very easy to go to to a big place because everybody else is going. But we want to make sure that where we go, we're going to hear the word of the Lord in all its purity. Graciously, God has said, the Lord Jesus says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. We were glad of that last week. Of course, we need to make sure we don't become isolationists like Elijah did. I, even I, am the only one left. He became so morbid about it. God was able to point out that there were many others around who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Let's not become isolationist, but let's use our discernment where necessary. And so that seems to be the situation with, with Samuel. This morning we see that he was permitted to offer sacrifices where he thought it to be right and proper. And you know, they, they, they went and they asked the girls, where was the seer? And they said, he's just up the road there, you'll meet him. And Samuel and the servant went along, and the first person they met was Samuel. Saul and the servant, the first thing, you can imagine what they say. Oh, my goodness, that's a stroke of luck. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, one in a million chance. Oh, no, no, it wasn't like that. God doesn't work that way. You see, if you go to verse 15, 
into verse 17. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came. Saying, tomorrow about this time I'm going to send a man from the land of Benjamin. And you're going to anoint him as captain of my people. He's the new king. And he's going to save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. I've looked at my people. Oh God, it says in Hosea, was angry. But he gave them what they wanted. He gave them a king. But he says, my, their cry has come up unto me. Oh God is a gracious God. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knows us. He knows our frame. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, just to remind him and to be sure, he told him the time he was coming, he told him where he was coming from, he told him what to do with him, but when the Lord said unto him, that's the man there, there's going to be no mistake about it, behold the man whom I spake to thee of. The same shall reign over my people. That's him coming up there. That's him with his servant. God doesn't leave anything to chance. It wasn't a chance in a million. It wasn't a fluke. It was all planned by God. <coughs> this is the man. This is the man. Go and anoint him. Then we go on to verse 18. Then Samuel, then Saul drew near to Samuel. And he said, tell me, where, where does the seer live? He says, I'm the seer. I'm him. And Samuel looked at him and he said, I'm the seer. Back to the right page. I am the seer, now go up before me unto the high place, for ye shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. He was a man, he was only out looking for donkeys. And he met the man of God. He said, you're going to, you're going to have a meal with me? It's all ready? And I'm going to tell you everything that's on your heart. And then as a little afterthought, he said, oh, by the way, the donkeys have been found. Don't worry about the donkeys. Found three days ago. I, I wonder what was going through Saul's mind. This is all that happened so quickly. And they had a fifth of a shekel to give the, the, the prophet in their pocket, or whatever it was, some measly amount of money. But there was no talk about giving this man money. They realized they were in the presence of a very special person. And then in verse 20 he says, he goes on. As for thine asses, they were lost, that were lost three days ago. Don't they're found? And on whom? Who is all Israel looking to? It's you. And he couldn't believe it. The whole of Israel looking for me. He said, I'm the, I, my father's house is the least, and, and I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, don't forget. 
one minute looking for donkeys and the next minute told that he was going to be king. And then Saul's modesty comes out because he was a goodly man. It says there was no one else more goodly, if you can say that, in, in Israel. He was a lovely chap. But he didn't put God first in his life. That was the trouble. We saw that a few weeks ago, we said he was goodly, but unfortunately we never read of Saul being godly. And the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe, you know it had been, it had been number six in the listings of population of the tribes of Israel. But through sin and immorality and uh, sodomy and rape the rest of Israel had, had, had wiped them out practically until one stage they had an army of 27,000 odd was reduced to an army of about 1,600 they were the smallest tribe there's an interesting story read in Judges about it they, they had to try and get girls they, they, they sort of grabbed girls from another tribe in order to have enough girls to, to marry the tribe was nearly wiped out. So he was right by saying it was the smallest tribe. And his father's house, he says, was, was the least of all the tri all the ones in, in, in Benjamin. So he was modest about it. But Samuel said, listen, you're going to eat with me. You're going to eat with me today. Took the two men and he placed them in the position of honor. And there were 30 people having this meal, the sacrifice. And there was one particular portion which was kept back for the sons of Aaron. And that was what, the shoulder. The shoulder, one of the choicest pieces. And he had said to the cook or the chef the day before, keep that bit. Keep that special portion. I want that kept. Because he knew that Saul was coming. And he pre presented it to, he got the chef or the cook to bring it in and place it before Saul. This special piece that had been left by. Behold that which is left. It doesn't mean that which was left over. He says that which was left by for you. This is it. And it was garnished. Beautifully garnished. when they were come from the high place what was in Samuel's, uh, Saul's mind I wonder he had been given this choice piece of meat above all the people that were invited to that feast why? God had his finger on him that was the reason and you know it was the shoulder and the shoulder speaks to us of power what does it say about Jesus? For unto us uh, the, the coming uh, Messiah, Jesus, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It speaks of security, safety, and comfort. When the lost sheep was found, the shepherd went out and he laid the sheep on his shoulders. 
And this was a picture of what was available uh, to Saul. If only he would have submitted to God. If only he would have accepted what God had for him. Strength, power from God and comfort. What a privilege position Saul was in. If, if only, if only he had allowed the God of Israel to be his leader. The one whom, from whom he could have drawn strength. If only he had accepted at all times the guidance of God. He didn't. He went, we, we look at it in future weeks probably, he, he went about things his way. He partially did what God wanted him to do, but he was never fully committed to God. He was assured of strength from God. He was assured of security if he followed God. If only. His life was one of one disaster after another, ending in defeat on the battlefield. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? David's psalm of, uh, at the end of, of uh, Samuel there when, when Saul was killed. If only. Oh, we should be careful that at the end of our lives we don't have to say if only. If only I'd followed God closer. Take heed. Take heed. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's an interesting verse. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. And lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and thy son's sons. Take heed. You know, over and over again in scripture, we have those words. Take heed. A friend of mine in Northern Ireland, he runs a ministry called Take Heed Ministries. When the Bible says take heed, we should sit up and listen. Take heed to thyself. Keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest they depart from thy heart. Oh, that we should keep the things which have been given to us, precious to us, in our hearts and take heed that we don't depart from the word of God. Let us seek to make sure that when we look back on our Christian walk day by day, we don't have to regret it that we have not followed our saviour and say if only if only I had there's a little hymn we were going to sing it this morning but it couldn't work out which tune it went to but you know someday we shall have to face our saviour someday and I heard the kids in Calcutta singing this and I've said, I've read it out before. The time of the harvest was ended, and the summer of life was gone. When in from the fields came the reapers, 
called home by the dip of the sun. I saw each bearing a burden of toilsomely ingathered sheaves. They brought them in love to the master, but I could bring nothing but leaves. The years that he gave I had wasted, nor thought I how soon they would fly. While others toiled hard for the harvest, I carelessly let them slip by. I idled about without purpose, nor cared I, but now how it grieves. While others brought fruit to their master, I found I had nothing but leaves. Then some soon from my dream I was wakened, and sad was my heart, for I knew that though that my life's day was not over, ere long I should bid it adieu. I started in shame and in sorrow. I turned from the sin that deceives. Henceforth I must toil for the Saviour, or maybe bring nothing but leaves. I could bring nothing but leaves, while others came in with their bright golden sheaves. I could bring nothing but leaves. Psalm 126. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. As we go through life, are we earnest in our sowing of the seed, the precious word of God? As we go about proclaiming it, are we earnest? He says, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Are we concerned about the world in which we live? Does it grieve us? Do we weep because of the hardness of men's hearts? The wickedness, the state of churches. Do we grieve? Just as a farmer looks at the badness of the weather as he sows. He wonders if the seed is going to grow. But God will give the increase. God gives the increase. Our duty is just to be faithful. To do what he commands us to do. To go forth and tell. We are bearing precious seed. Precious seed. We are called upon to be faithful sowers. And God will give the increase. Yeah.